Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. A mysterious videotape is delivered to the U.S. Department of Defense. And after they watch it, they know the truth. And then we take a look at a new conspiracy theory that's just popped up in the last few months. Who is taking children's movie trailers and editing in acts of violence? And then we meet a farmer who's been dealing with a rash of cattle mutilations. He is intent on finding the culprit and punishing them. But nothing could prepare him when he comes face to face with the beast responsible today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having lots of fun doing whatever you're doing. Hope you guys are on the right path, making the right decisions. First off, let's go ahead and meet today's legacy Patreon, a man who always makes the best decisions. Everyone give a round of applause to Nathan. He's all walking in, that braggart. <laughs> He's talking about all his good decisions. Nathan, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. It's fine. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Now, Nathan, you heard that we have a slam bamming episode today. Nathan, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to the 38th parallel. In 1996, the U.S. Department of Defense is presented with a VHS tape. They're looking at this and they go, who wants to put it in? Now, the ring wasn't invented, right? Nobody knew about spooky video cassettes, so they actually had no problem. They weren't finding some intern to watch this videotape. They're looking at this videotape and it's written in Korean unsung heroes they're like what i didn't order this wasn't part of my netflix queue what's this doing here and the the guy who brought it in goes oh no 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 no! i probably should have introduced it i probably shouldn't have brought in this tape and just sat down and just go guess he goes unsung heroes is a north korean crime drama spy thriller and the Department of Defense is like, okay, I mean, it doesn't, that doesn't, that still doesn't give us any information. We know the genre now. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, I don't know why I paused there. I was, I was distracted. I should, I should again, he's a really bad agent. They're getting ready to fire him. He goes, this tape, oh, you know what? Watch it. I, I don't even think I can figure out the best way to say it. Obviously, I can tell you guys are about to fire me. So they put in the VHS tape, and it's this 20 hour long soap opera. Slash spy thriller, and they're watching it. The agent's all eating popcorn. He's like, oh, this is my favorite part. Nom, nom, nom. And the Department of Defense is like, oh, my God, 20 hours. Oh, this is taking so long. Uh, Wait, what? Willis. Willis, get the president on the phone. We found them. Now, let's go back in time, May 28th, 1962. We're at the 38th parallel. The Korean War had been over since, well, it's not over, but basically the conflict ceased in 1953. So it had been nine years since anything had really popped off. On May 28, 1962, Private First Class Larry Abshire, he's a 19-year-old kid. 
he he's getting court-martialed for smoking weed, and you're not supposed to be able to do that, right? So he's thinking, oh man, what I'm probably going to get thrown in the brig and kick, get kicked out of the military, and they'll probably wag their fingers at me. Or I mean, all that stuff. I can do all that stuff. Slap on the wrist. Or and he looks across the 38th parallel. Larry is stationed in South Korea. He's very close to the 38th parallel. And he, he looks wistfully across this landmine-strewn area. Or I could defect to North Korea. I mean, how bad could they be? So he runs through the minefield. No one chased him. No, no Americans chased him. They're watching. They were shocked. They just let him go. But what are you going to do? You're like, no, stop. Wait for me. I want to be thrown into that totalitarian hellhole. You just let him go. And, well, not even that. They probably knew he was going to step on a landmine at any given point. They watch him run across the DMZ, and he disappeared. He was the first U.S. soldier to defect to North Korea since the end of the war, which is interesting. I kept seeing that sentence, and I thought, well, who was, who was doing it during the war? I mean, I get it. A lot of times your government will run propaganda against the enemy. But I think now, 60 years later, we still have a pretty clear picture of how North Korea is. It's, it's not a very fun place to be. He was the first soldier to defect after the end of the war, but he wasn't the last. Three other dudes did it. One of them was worried about their father-in-law beating them up. So, again, I'm going to run across the minefield. One of them was in trouble for forging documents. These weren't... Huge issues. But for whatever reason, they thought, I'm going to try my luck in North Korea. Now, they do get across... All four of these guys. You had James Dresnock, Jerry Wayne Parrish, Charles Robert Jenkins, and then we had Larry, the first one to do it. They all successfully get across the minefield. And what happens is, after a couple of days, they start broadcasting on the live speakers. Hey, guys! It's me! It's me! Good old Jerry Parrish! And you know what? I know that I was your favorite. People are like, who the hell's Jerry Parrish? We don't know this guy. We used to hang out all the time. You guys should come over here, too, and, and hang out more, man! It's dope. They got, like, Orange Fanta over here, and they got, like... He, he turns over to his North Korean handlers, he's like, what else do you have? And they're like, uh, we have cars. They have cars! You like cars, right? They got beautiful babes from all over the world. No, they're, they're, they might be slaves. They might be kidnapped victims, but they're from all over the world. Why don't you come across this minefield and join us? And these broadcasts were constantly being done. And of course, no one... <laughs> this is like the dumbest thing, right? Everyone knows that these are. this is pure propaganda. No one falls for this. These broadcasts keep going on for a while, right? They're on, and they're being used in North Korea to be like, look at that's how bad America is. These Yankees were willing to run across these landmines to get here. That shows how awful it was. They're like these celebrities in North Korea. They're on magazine covers and all this stuff. And that's all true. But after like the glamour shoot, after they're like, doo, 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 the guy's taking pictures and stuff like that. And they're like, okay, get in your limo. And they walk out. the limo is just a guy with a machine gun and he's pushing them down the street. They're like, ah, oh, this is the worst limo I've never been in. They all four had to live in a shack. And when they weren't having their pictures taken or at the DMZ doing doing like recruitment tapes, which actually they probably just recorded them, right? They probably got super bored. They had to sit in a shack, all four of them. They didn't know each other before they came over. They did not like each other. They're constantly fighting, which is not something you, which is not something you should do if you're prisoners of war. 
right? You should try to assemble together, maybe. Because the guards are also beating them up, and they're like, oh man, I haven't gotten beat up that much since this morning when one of my fellow countrymen beat me up. When they weren't getting beaten or doing magazine covers, or both at the same time, they're like, five fashions to wear when you're brutally bruised. When they weren't doing that stuff, they had to constantly study the writings of Kim Il-sung, the country's founder. They had to do the struggle sessions, which is where they confess their wrongs. And all this stuff, the stuff that we see come out of these dystopian communist governments. This captivity goes on and on. And the government doesn't really know what to do with these guys because they are prisoners and they are propaganda tools and maybe they'll be useful in the future so they're trying to keep them happy they're supplying them with women and then they steal women from other countries and supply them with them it's it's a pretty horrible story overall when you have women getting kidnapped from morocco kidnapped from japan just to be these dudes wives but what happened is in 1978, North Korea, we talked about this before, we did a whole week on North Korea, they love their film industry. And in 1978, the government decided to make this 20-hour-long series about spies in Korea called Unsung Heroes. And they go, well, we have all these great actors to be the North Koreans and the South Koreans because it's about who started the war. And the idea is the Americans did. We have all these great actors, but we need some bad guys. <laughs> just happen to be any Americans around. And they got two of these POWs to be in the movie. Charles Jenkins played a devious American who actually masterminded the Korean War. And then James Dresnock played a guy named Arthur Cockstud. This is not a porno. I don't know why they chose that name. They had to have known what it meant. Or maybe they didn't. And Arthur's like, oh, no, this, mean, this means bad guy in American. And they're like, oh, that's cool. He plays a POW camp commander. And his role is so popular. Like, people love the character of Arthur Coxstud so much that when he's walking around town, because he is allowed at this point, like, what, 15 years have passed. He knows all the stuff about Kim Il-sung's philosophies. They totally believe he's one of them. They're allowed to walk around town. People just call him Arthur. People just call him Arthur, which happens over here. I mean, I'm sure Dustin Diamond got called Screech at his funeral. Like, at a certain point, everyone's just going to know you by the name of your character. But from the time that they escaped over the border, and those broadcasts started being done, which were recorded at a certain point, the U.S. government figured these dudes were dead. They had no idea that they were alive at all. North Korea is a really, really hard country to spy on. They had no way to know until 1996, a VHS copy of Unsung Heroes is smuggled out of North Korea and the U.S. Department of Defense goes, oh, at least two of these guys are still alive. The story ends, depending on your point of view, in a pretty depressing way. I mean, if you're a North Korean, it's a happy ending. In 1983, Larry Abshear, he dies of a heart attack and he was buried in North Korea and his tombstone says he was born in Yongyang which is the capital of North Korea. In 1998, Jerry Parrish dies. And he had a wife and kids. They are still in North Korea. They weren't allowed to leave. In 2016, James Dresnock died. He also had kids that are in North Korea. And this is brilliant, right? Jerry Dresnock died. Arthur Coxstead, I wonder if that's on his gravestone. Arthur Coxstead died. His children also entered the film industry to play villainous Americans, so... Keep it in the family. Charles Robert Jenkins had the most interesting ending. He died in 
2017. But before that, his wife was one of the kidnapped Japanese women. The North Koreans were constantly kidnapping Japanese women for usually sexual purposes. His wife was one of them. When the Japanese government found out about this, the North Korea denied it, denied it, denied it. But in 2002, they confirmed that they had done it. And that they said, okay, we'll give you the Japanese citizens back. And because he was married to a Japanese citizen, he actually also got to leave. He was the only person who died outside of the country. The reason why I want to talk about that story, it went a little longer than I wanted to, but I love the idea of lost media. That's what this is. They didn't even know this show existed, and it was proof that these men were still alive. And how often, when you talk about lost media, a lot of times you're like, oh, Nickelodeon produced a scary show, and everyone who watched it that night thought it was too spooky, so they never aired it again. I mean, that's interesting. We're not discounting that. That's very interesting. But imagine... Nickelodeon made a show. <laughs> Nickelodeon made a show. It had four real life missing kids in it. And the casting director turned out to be a big old pervo who was kidnapping kids off the street and making them be in Nickelodeon shows. That would be, you know what I mean? Like, it's a different level. It's a different level of things. It's a different. So I really like that. You have the lost media thing and you have the real world impact. And we know if we ever have to go undercover as spies in North Korea, you know what our codename is going to be? Cock stud. And that is enough to get the episode with an explicit tag, and it's also the end of that segment. Nathan, I'm going to go ahead and give you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're leaving behind a 38th parallel. We're driving all the way out to an internet cafe. Oh, in South Korea. We'll just go down to South Korea. The place is wired for all internet. This second one's really short, and I, I don't... It's one of those mysteries I don't even really know what what is going on. Is it a mystery? I don't know, but it was brought to my attention again recently, and I was like, I got to cover this because it is really weird. First off, I did a segment a long time ago. It was episode 594, Is IMDb a Gateway to a Parallel Universe? And we talked about stuff being found on IMDb that just doesn't make sense. Now, I know that it's user-driven, and a lot of you guys emailed me. It was like, oh, you know, well, people can put in whatever they want. And apparently there's a joke where you put in the angry video game nerd as mass murderers and psychopaths into movies. So it'll be like a movie. It'll be the peanut butter solution about the guy who eats too much peanut butter and he can grow hair forever. It's a real movie I saw as a kid. And you'll be looking at the cast list and it'll say angry video game nerd, whatever the guy's name is, as Benito Mussolini. And you're like, well, he wasn't in that movie. So that's like a running joke. And that was explained to me after the fact. And I know it's user generated, but sometimes there's just these weird tidbits that you who who does this so there was a reddit post from a deleted name i hate it reddit is constantly just deleting stuff i am this i have to archive all this stuff basically they were saying there's this mysterious show in mexico and i don't know what it could be and they were said i was watching this movie called the frame i wanted to know more about it so i went to imdb and this popped up this television show called the frame and the description of it is quote a haunted picture frame that show this stuff. Okay. This is where grammar is super important. Quote, a haunted picture frame that shows all your inner sexual fantasies in 1876. Unquote. That's the synopsis for the show. 
and you go, so does it show your fantasies if they were in 1876? Like, are your, is it your creepy sexual fantasies, but everyone's wearing, like, old-timey clothes? Does it project whatever your sexual fantasies are back in time? So someone in 1876 is walking by a picture frame, and they're like, oh, not this again. Ah! And they're looking at some, some horribly disgusting thing. I'm not accusing you of having disgusting fetishes. Let me be clear. But... This other person, the other listener, not you, the person sitting next to you, they have disgusting fetishes. Like, is is it your fantasies being projected into 1876? Is it your fantasies turning into 1876 fantasy? So if I had a fantasy for blondes, right, would it be a blonde in, like, an 1876 dress? I don't know. I don't know. So anyways, and also my sexual fantasies are pretty bland, surprisingly. So when you look into it a little bit more, it appears to be there appears to be a Mexican television show called The Frame, and it's hosted by Sofia Alvarado, and it's a like entertainment program. Like if you look at it, they like did an episode on The Matrix, and they did an episode on like horror movies, and one on superheroes, and one about Lost, and so on and so forth. So who? What is that? Like it, it, I get it. It's user generated, and someone probably. But even like putting that together as a joke, what's the joke? I don't get it. So I mean, just because I don't get the joke doesn't mean it's a mystery. But it is quite bizarre. But I had that locked and loaded, ready to go, and I never covered it because I just thought, ah, it's just kind of a weird thing. Whatever. But I wanted to package it with this one because this is another one I had ready to go months ago. And I thought, well, it's just kind of a weird, quirky thing. I don't know where to go with it, but it's popped back into my field of view. There is a YouTube channel called New Trailers. And a, a long time ago, I watched this movie called A Christmas Cancellation. And I almost did a Dead Rabbit Recommends on it with a hard asterisk because A Christmas Cancellation is an almost good movie. It's not a bad movie, but you watch the movie and you're like, oh, it's such a good idea. If they had a bigger budget, if the actors had more rehearsal time, if they had a better set, they had all this other stuff. It would have been really good. Really been super interesting movie. I've seen a lot of movies like that. Miranda Vale is the same way. Miranda Vale, amazing concept. And if they had just had some more time to work on it, they could have got it. Miranda Vale is about a woman who finds out she's immortal after a serial killer puts a knife in her heart. It's really... Miranda Vale is a really, really good movie, but it's raw. Like, you, you're you just like, if you only had an extra $50,000, if you could only afford a little more rehearsal. The actors worked, but Miranda Vale, I, it was a super interesting movie. She can't die. And it's about the serial killer and this victim trying to figure out why. I love stuff like that. Very, very small sets. I love that. Christmas Cancellation's about a group of characters, one by one, television characters, who find out their show's about to be canceled. And when it's canceled, they'll cease to exist. Very, very interesting premise. And no one believes the other person until they bring them into the bathroom. Because they go, you've never seen the bathroom, right? And they're like, uh, no, because bathrooms don't appear on sitcoms. So they go in the bathroom and the lighting changes and they're like, oh, oh my God, you're right. Re what is reality? Really, really interesting movie, but it's just, it wasn't there yet. But anyways, I was prepping it for A Dead Rabbit Recommends. I was really debating on whether or not to cover it. So I went to go get the trailer like I normally do. When I looked through the Christmas cancellation trailer, it starts off with a news report about a guilty plea in a Westfield double murder. And it talks about a mother and a daughter being murdered during home robbery. And you're like, what? 
And then it shows the trailer completely uninterrupted. And then at the very ending, it cuts to a segment from True Crime Daily, which talks about an eight-month-old pregnant woman who's murdered, shot, or something like that, and then the emergency C-section, the baby dies, and they cut to a shot of a baby in a coffin. And then that's the end of the YouTube video. And I was like, what? Now, those incidents really did happen. Like, I looked them up, those incidents are real, and I go, whoa, whoa, like, that's weird. That in and of itself is weird. And I thought, Nick, the movie is not, I don't think there's even any cussing in the movie, if I remember correctly, because it's supposed to be a sitcom. But I had a hunch. I went to another video on that same channel, A Baby Reindeer's First Christmas. It came out the same year. Uh, 2020 as Christmas cancellation and you go to start the video and the first thing you see is a man kicking a kitten full full you know full the kitten's flying animal abuse punting it across the parking lot then it shows the trailer and then ends with a report of a man shoplifting a bird it's interesting because I saw that and it was shocking obviously no one likes to see animals getting abused or really anyone getting abused and I, did, I just go, that's weird. I thought, was it a bot? Like, did something get messed up in the algorithm? Was some, Someone couldn't be doing this intentionally. What would be the purpose of that? I built my notes on it, though, and then just never covered it. It went into my maybe folder. A couple days ago, again on Reddit, a user named Axel Flunk popped up, and they go, hey, I just found this super weird YouTube channel. This is deleted as well. Stupid, I hate Reddit. I hate, hate Reddit. They just delete stuff for no reason. But anyways, this guy posted and he goes, I found this really weird YouTube channel. And his idea, and I didn't think about this. His idea was it, it was uh, to be racist. You go to watch these trailers and you're hit with these images. He said that the images were black people committing crimes against white people. I don't remember who was, I don't remember those details. I do remember the guy who was kicking the kitten was black. I do remember that. But... I don't remember the I don't remember if the victims were white or black. I don't remember that. The kitten was a, just a cat. The kitten was neither. But the point is is like I couldn't say who the perpetrators were, who the victims were, how racial it was. So I don't know about that. But and I guess I guess I could have went and double checked before I started doing the segment. I didn't think about that until just now, but it's possible, right? It's possible there could be a racist influence behind this to show these crimes and then intersperse them with chill but it seems like such when he posted that i thought reminded me of a christmas cancellation but i thought what a small target right like how what a small i mean hey honey let's go watch a christmas cancellation trailer and i'm also i'm also borderline racist i haven't gone all the way yet but maybe one or two more news segments will push me over the edge like it's such a weird target i think the video, the children's video, and the dude kicking the cat, that's the most egregious that I saw. Like, because that's the most shocking. There's no context. There's no, like, news report context on that, if I recall. It's just a guy kicking a cat. And paired up with a children's video, that's horrifying. So it's just so weird. I have no answer for it. Are, is it bots? Is it someone picking these news stories to inflame racial tensions? Why? It's Again, they're not putting them on Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings trailers. They're not putting them on trailers that anyone actually wants to watch. They're putting them on trailers. If I had never seen a Christmas cancellation and had wanted to recommend it, I would have never checked that trailer out. 
it's such a minute target audience that if it's a troll, it's really bizarre. It could be the lead up to something. They could be building up to something bigger, but for right now, it's just a bizarre internet mystery. Nathan, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the carbon copter. We are leaving behind South Korea. We are headed all the way out to the Saga Prefecture in Japan. It's January 4th, 1992, and it's late at night. There's a farmer here. We don't have his name, so we'll call him Toby. Toby has been having an issue with some cattle mutilations. Cattle mutilations are super interesting because it is the one paranormal phenomenon that every everyone believes happens. The question is what causes it. I guess cat I guess crop circles kind of falls into it, but cattle mutilations there's not anyone going no, there's no such thing as cattle with their blood missing and their eye. Even people who don't believe in the aliens or the satanic culture or anything like that, they believe it's happening, they just think it's natural predation. But with ghosts people go, oh, "No, that's just people being crazy. There are no ghosts." Or UFOs, "Oh, no, it's just swamp cats." Cattle mutilations is one of those things that you agree that it's happening. The question is, what is going on? What is It's something that physically is happening, but what is causing it? But to Toby, he doesn't, he doesn't really care about the big picture, right? Cows are his livelihood. A cattle mutilation would be the equivalent of someone wasting thousands of dollars of food at your local restaurant. Like, it's a very, very impactful. So... He is looking for the perpetrator, and he doesn't care if it's an alien or a ghost or a satanic cult. He's going to take care of it. So one night, he hears his dog barking. So he heads out into the darkness to investigate, and he enters his cow shed. And he sees inside the cow shed a jellyfish. Long tentacles coming out of its jellyfish body. Now, if you walked into your cow shed and there was just a jellyfish laying on the ground, that'd be a mystery. You'd wonder, how did that jellyfish get here? But this jellyfish, I should have said this earlier, this jellyfish is floating. You're like, why is he making those sound effects? There's just a dead jellyfish on some hay. This jellyfish is floating. So the tendrils are like hanging down and it's this jellyfish thing just kind of floating through the shed. And he's freaking out, as you would. This jellyfish is flowing around your shed and he looks and his cow... His leg is broken. That poor little cow has a broken leg and the jellyfish is just kind of floating there. And Toby is watching this bizarre scene. And all of a sudden, the jellyfish continues to float and just floats outside the shed window and then vanishes. That's the, that's the end of the story, right? That's the end of the story. But it's interesting because, obviously, we don't know for sure, but obviously the idea is that the jellyfish was killing the cows, was causing the cattle mutilation. Now, this story, I got it from ThinkAboutItDocs.com. They got it from Jenny Randles and Peter Ho um, in the book World's Best 
true UFO stories. And Jenny Randalls, we've covered her a lot. I have a lot of respect for her. I haven't come across anything that's been out and out fraudful. And think about it, Docs.com has treated us very well. As absurd as this story is, you kind of have to look at the pedigree of it. Because cattle mutilations is something that happens wherever there's cattle. And that's the big question. What is doing it? I've always leaned towards the idea that it's humans doing it. If it's not natural, because we've talked about that before, predation will attack the soft parts of the body. And I'll tell you right now, there is a big difference between completely devoid of blood, completely sucked drain of blood, or having nearly all its blood sucked out. There's a huge difference between that. And really, there's no scientific difference between that what's nearly all their blood more than half yeah technically it, the, the, whenever you look at these stories a lot of times they'll say nearly all the blood is removed and then when the story is repeated it will be said devoid of all blood there's a huge difference between the two there's a huge difference between the two but predation makes sense but outside of that i don't see a reason why aliens would be doing it i think it's human action i think it's cultists i think it's cult now it could be all three or really all four. Could be the jellyfish scenario as well. I, I don't think you can ever really say all of it is one thing when you're looking at the paranormal. But the thing I love about the jellyfish is it adds such an interesting wrinkle. And it would be something you're not looking for. We're looking up in the sky for spaceships. Or we're looking up in the sky for black helicopters. Or we're looking for the candles, the monks in the robes walking around with their sacrificial daggers and things like that. But a jellyfish floating through a farm? I mean, unless it was a super well-lit area, would you be able to see a translucent jellyfish? This guy was kind of a white, a whitish color. We've talked about creatures in the sky as well. Sky beans, giant jellyfishes in the sky. So would it make sense that some of them are smaller and feed on cows or, or just animals in general? It just, again, adds another level to the mystery. There's nothing we can definitively say that this story is true or that this is the cause of more than just this guy's cattle mutilations. But why not? And that's one thing that I love about the paranormal community, but also kind of bugs me, and we'll finish it up like this. Some people always want to say, like, let's take missing 411, for example, the idea that people go missing in the national parks. People will try to give one paranormal answer to all of it, being like, oh, it's secret agents, super soldiers in the woods who can cloak themselves. That accounts for all of it. But maybe not all of them. Maybe some of them are natural. Maybe some of them are super soldiers. Maybe some of them are Bigfoot. We seem to get locked into these categories. And it's no fun. Can't some crop circles be made by UFOs, some crop circles made by pranksters, but some crop circles made by ghosts? Why not? Couldn't some cattle mutilations be done by these? See, these creatures, like, honestly, if you went to a skeptic, they would think this was the most unbelievable out of all of them because you're introducing this new creature into the food chain. They'd go, yeah, maybe UFOs, probably not. Maybe cultists, that's a little more likely, but what? Now you're talking about floating jellyfish? That doesn't, that's even dumber than aliens. But why not? And this, to me, is scarier. This, to me, honestly can be a little bit scarier than the cultists going after the cows or the UFOs abducting the cows and skinning them and then dropping them back off. That just doesn't make any sense to me. They Why would they, they just drop them in the middle of the ocean? Why would they drop them back off? Why would they want? That's the thing that kind of makes this cultists want to breed fear. 
right? They worship the dark ones. They love fear. But aliens, they, you know, whatever. They, they may not even believe in God. We've had a lot of different discussions about aliens on that issue. But they just get rid of it or vaporize it or dump it in the ocean or, or whatever. You would never find it. You would just find cattle missing. The jellyfish wouldn't have any motive. It would just kill it there. Drink its blood and eat its eyeballs there. It's just like uh, most animals don't try to hide their prey. They just kill it and eat it and then leave. And if this thing exists, would it ever stop at cows? Like when I read this story, I thought, dude, could you imagine being attacked by something like this? Being attacked by something that you didn't even know existed before its tendrils wrapped around your neck. You had no idea that this was part of the ecosystem until you felt acid against your skin. And you're trying to struggle, you're trying to grab at tendrils that just seem supernaturally strong. It was designed to hunt and kill large mammals. And it's sucking out your blood. It attaches a suction cup to your left eye socket. And before the same thing happens to your right eye, you see your left eye get sucked up into the tendril, slowly being dissolved. Soon, both eyeballs are gone. The acid pours through your system as you try to struggle, as you try to get away, and you fail. You are now a lifeless husk Nearly drained of all your blood, all the soft organs dissolved away. If it happened in your house, it would be a huge mystery. But if you were out camping, out farming, in the middle of nowhere, enjoying nature, and this happened to you and your body wasn't found, maybe they'd think it was natural causes. Because it does appear that you suffered a heart attack. And the predators just came and ate away the softest parts of you until your body was found. But what the autopsy can't show is that your heart attack was brought on by pure fear. You always wanted to know the truth. Is the world of the paranormal real? Do cryptids exist? Is there something more than what the skeptics say? But you always figured you'd live to tell the tale. Instead, you just became another piece of evidence in an ever-growing mystery. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.